Good morning. Good morning, Christians everywhere and Christians in the making. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. I'm so glad today's Sunday. I'm so glad we can come to the house of the Lord. I'm so glad we can say, hallelujah, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I feel it when I say it. Glory to his beloved and holy name. Let's go ahead and open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, again for this day that you've made. Heavenly Father, we're going to do our best because of who you are to rejoice in it and be glad. Hallelujah. If you don't know the Savior, you need to know him, people. You need to know him. And today is your day to get to know the Savior. You just have to say, Lord, I'm sorry for all of it, for everything. Come live with me. Come abide with me. Enable me and help me to abide with you in Jesus' name. See, you're saved. Hallelujah. That's all it takes. Well, we have patriarchs in our church. We also have patriarchs of the faith. And I'm looking at one right now. And his name is L.A. Sperry. Did I get it right? L.A. Sperry. Amen. Well, he sends my husband and I poems now and then, like I'm sure he sends a lot of you. He sent me one the other day. Jesus told me this morning that I was allowed to share one of them with you today. So just kind of savor the words, stew in them. I know you're going to get something out of it. It's called God is a consumer, not a doomer. Consuming desires of grasping and yearning. God will consume our hearts with new learning. Knowledge fills the earth with many books. It is time to lay them aside to give God a fresh look. Won't you do that today with the Bible? Isn't that wonderful? Let's see what else he wrote. Look at his eyes that are still weeping. This is the part that gets me. For souls of men that we should be reaping. Look at the harvest that is laying in fields. Rise and possess before the enemy steals. Are you praying for the people in your life before the enemy steals them? Prayers that have waited, many have been outdated. God, this is your hour for power. We must possess heavenly showers. Could you show us your way as we lay here and pray? Lord, lead us not astray because there is no other way. People, we can look for another way. We can try to figure it out in our mind, but at the end of it all, there really is no other way. And the only way to be happy is to be happy in Jesus. Amen, Ea. L.A., I, I got it wrong, A-L, but you're L.A. <laughs> God, give us the tongue of a ready writer that we may be a faith igniter. Oh, there's power in that. There's power in that. And the last thing he has on uh, this particular day that he wrote along with the poem, put fleshly pride on the shelf so it may be of God and not self. You will be a giant in the faith 
not an elf. Hallelujah. Big spiritual hugs to you guys, both of you. It's wonderful. Thank you, Jesus, for this word. Thank you for these poems. Thank you, Lord, that this is a gift that you have given a patriarch in the faith. And we get the fruits of it through you, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, honey. Yeah, L.A. Uh, puts out quite a few poems. It just kind of comes out of him all the time. And um, he's such a blessing to have with us when him and his wife are not traveling around the country. Let's uh, go so glad they could be with us this morning. Good morning and welcome to the Pulse at Gassaway. And uh, also to uh, those online, live or on delay, as we always say, you're right on time. I'm John Sandy. That was my wife, Cynthia. And welcome to our program this morning, our Connect class every Sunday morning at, at 10 a.m. Or as they would say in radio, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Um, <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> in my radio days, we are talking about God is looking for a people that are looking for him. We often wonder where God is. God, where are you? You have not shown up yet. My bills are coming in. This doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. And the whirlwinds will start. But here's the interesting thing. God hasn't moved at all. God hasn't changed at all. God has been there always for us. But we are the ones that need to move closer to him. We're the ones that make the decision on how close you were. You can get, did you know you can get as close to God as you want? There is no limit to how close you can get to God. And so it's our choices we make every single day that decide how much, how close we want to get. Now, what are one of some of the tests in getting close to God? Well, one of the tests is, am I going to trust you? Am I going to lean not to the way I understand things but in how many ways? All our ways, all in Greek means all. All our ways acknowledge you, then you said you'll direct our paths. Think of it. We have a God of the universe that wants to actually lay out your schedule today. He wants to lay everything out for us so that we can be about our Father's business, just like Jesus said he needed to do. As I am, so are you, he said in this world. So when we were left last time on part one, this is part two of God is looking for people that are looking for him. We were talking about the judging. And I said last week, to be a judge, we must first apply our views of others with a critical spirit, one that places us above those we judge. What comes around goes around, doesn't it, guys? Have you ever, and I can raise my hand real quick, have you ever judged someone and then turned around and did the same thing they did? Oh, come on. No, I can't be the only one. Uh, I have done that. I have judged a situation or a person and turned right around and did what I judged them for doing. Now, folks, that's a blessing that God helps us that way, that he reveals things to us in such a loving way to show us, even in our secret places, wow, that wasn't good after all, was it, John? <laughs> so it teaches us not to judge. So you can't judge someone unless you think you're above them. 
If you remember last week, I said, if, you, if, er, if everybody in this room was to know every single thing about you, I mean everything, past, present, everything, you and I would walk a lot more humbly in this world. But since they don't know, we judge, which means if you judge someone, you must think that you're better than they are. How else do you condone it? Even those in the world have to condone their actions to live with themselves. They may cover it with drugs and alcohol and all kinds of things, but otherwise they've got to face themselves in the mirror and they have to see, they need to see something good about themselves or we're doomed. So what do they do? They justify it. I can judge you because I didn't do that. No, but you did a hundred things over here. But you can point to the one thing, because that's one thing. That's one thing I would never do. Well, be careful. Be very careful that you get haughty in your words, because the Bible says take every thought captive, and says if you can control the tongue, you can control any part of the body. That's how powerful the tongue is. Why is it so powerful? Because this is where the battle is. The battle's in the mind. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You battle things in the mind and how you perceive things, and how you act and react to things like that. So that's where we left off last week a little bit. And so let's talk a little bit about what we call spiritual, what I call spiritual reciprocity. Luke 6.38 is what I'd like to talk about. Luke 6.38 from the NKJV, the New King James Version, and I'll read from that. Give, and it shall be given to you. We all know the Scripture, don't we? Give, and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. Some, some translations say, and men. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, this is a very familiar scripture. This one, as, as well as Malachi 3.10, are two very familiar scriptures. If you're going to stand on God, hey, <laughs> if you're going to stand on God's promises, you better have something to stand on, okay? If you're going to stand on God's promises, you need to know what those promises are, right? You need to be able to understand. You'd be able to quote them. If you're going through a real difficult situation, you should grab every scripture you can that relates to that issue and stand on it because that is where life and death are found. That is where good and evil, right and wrong are found, and that is your pathway to God is if you stand on his promises, because now you can say to the devil like Jesus did, no, 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 no. The word says, so devil, you can just go. The word says, devil, you can just go away. So you've got to have something to stand on. You need something you can sink your teeth into. So in Luke 6.38, that lays out for us that very thing. Now, the reason why I put that scripture in there is because I want to break it down a little bit. Because there are some things in there that we don't often equate with this Scripture. What's the first thing we think about when we look at this Scripture? Financial blessing. It's one of the first things we think about. He said, He'll pour into our bosom. So let's see, let's talk a little bit more about that Scripture, okay? Now let's look deeper into the pic this picture. It says here, we look back over some verses before Luke 6.38. Now you've heard me say before, when you study Scripture, Look at Scripture before and look at Scripture after. Here's an example, and I want us to talk about it for just a minute. Don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I want to cover a few things. 
So we just read Luke 6, 38. Now let's start with 27. Instead of 38, let's go back 11 verses to 27 and see what it has to say. Here are some of the key points that that scripture says without reading it exclusively to you. A, it starts out with loving your enemies. Now, you got to realize this is the scriptures before the ones I just shared with you on God's promises, particularly we think of finances. Okay, but here's what it says before you get to that scripture. Love your enemies. Number two, to those who take from you, give without looking to receive. I'm telling you, folks, uh, we, we really study the scripture. He said, if someone steals something, don't expect it back. Now, see, what God is trying to teach us here, and this is where we miss it. God is not talking about the laws and how you handle laws. He's talking about the condition of your heart. He's trying to get us to understand that if you can lose something and not covet it back, if you get to that place on that one point, you have a different heart towards God. Remember, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We made that very clear. Okay? Three, treat others as you would want to be treated. That seldom happens. That seldom happens to where you are so, now we'll do things where we're noticed to make people feel better than we treat ourselves. We'll do it where we can see it like the Pharisees did. They even blew trumpets before they, even blew trumpets before they did it. Can I have your attention, please? I'm about to humble myself before you. That's what they were doing, playing the trumpets to let you know. Well, if you play a trumpet before you help someone, what have you merited yourself? Because even the ungodly are kind to each other. So what have you gained if you get credit right now? My wife and I joke all the time, and she'll, she'll say something. I'll say, hey, what time's dinner? She said six, and I'll say, that wasn't a question. And we'll joke back and forth. And then she'll do something. She says, did you see what I just did there? I said, what? Did you see that? She said, what? She said, I just, I just submitted. And I said, well, guess what else? According to the Word of God, you just got your reward. <laughs> so we have a lot of fun with it. She's so precious. We have a lot of fun. And she's the real deal. My wife is, she's the real thing. Yeah, she's wonderful. Okay, another one. Be merciful. Judge not. Condemn not, so that we shall not be judged or condemned also. Now, we learn the first part real well. Don't judge. Don't condemn. Don't steal. Don't rob. Don't gossip. We, we get that first part, right? The part we don't get that really ties us to the promises of God is that we do not realize that that's the way God's going to treat us. Yeah. The way you treat others is how God will respond to us. Now, you can brag about what you're doing, but it's not sincere, so you have no reward coming. You got it right there. If someone said, oh, that was so wonderful you did that, you're so humble, you just got your reward. But if you do it in secret, see, there's four types of giving in the Bible, and one of them John Fowler and I joke about is called alms. And the Bible says that's what you do where you don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. Okay? John says, well, I don't like that one because it only, you only get back what you give. There's no profit making. 
Now, you got to realize John used to be a banker. And John, if you're listening right now, I'm telling on you. So we joke about this. It's just a joke between us because he's a wonderful guy. And he's a big, huge giver. Uh, but we joke about that because alms is the one where you give and you get back what you gave. And you do it in secret. You know why? Because that could be very humiliating for a person receiving that's poor. That can be hard on them to take. So you don't make a big deal out of it. You just do it as unto the Lord, right? And then God will bless you. Well, let, let me just give you a little bit. Let me tell you something about God's heart. Even though, and this might help John, encourage John to start doing alms. If you give and you only get back what you receive, can I give you a little secret? I guarantee you that God will do something else beyond that for you. It may not be money, but oh, he'll do something because that's my God. That's the way my God is. You can't outgive him. You can't outlove him. You can't get too close to him. You cannot outdo a God. You can't do it. So let me encourage you in that area. So, the last one was be merciful, judge not, and don't condemn, or you will be condemned. So, be aware that God sees what we do, and our treasures we lay up in heaven, or what He even does with this here on earth, are measured by the attitude of our heart and whether we give sacrificially or for recognition. Do you know there are people out there that, that are, they get high on giving? Do you know there are people like that? They actually get off or get high on giving. That's not the type of giving God's referring to. Because those same people will turn around and hurt the ones they just blessed. Because they don't have the Spirit of Christ in their giving. You and I need to sound, look, and act just like Jesus. Why? Because He represents the Father, and we get a chance to show people what God's like. And that's what draws people. That's why you're salt. As I said last week, we are to be salt so people are thirsty. We are to be light so we can show them where to go drink. You need to go through the whole thing and the process. If you look closely, Jesus is teaching us to forgive and receive a greater forgiveness than we were forgiven. Luke, six, Luke chapter 6 is not just about money. Did you hear what I just said there? I don't know if you caught that or not. This scripture that I just shared with you in Luke 6.38 about what we think has to do with financial giving, due to what I just showed you in the, 20, in the 11, 11 verses before that, is telling you right here that God is telling you that I'm going to give, forgive you more than you need forgiven. I, let me say it again. He says, I am going to forgive, according to Scripture, He is telling you and I that it's not just about money. He's telling you and I that whatever you need forgiveness for, I will go beyond that. How do you go beyond forgiving someone? Saying to them, go and sin no more, and their life will be blessed for it. See, God forgives, but then He instructs us so that we don't have to go down that road again so we have a better life. Everything about God is better than what you give Him. Everything about God is bigger than what you give Him. This is even knowing that we don't understand a lot of things. Folks, 
I don't understand a lot of stuff that are going on in this world uh, when I relate it to the Word of God. But I do know one thing. He lets us know that he's, he's true and He's faithful and just. And He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Here's the key word we leave out on some scriptures. The word diligent. The word seek me with all your heart. See, those are the words we leave out when we study the Word of God. We see all of it because it pertains to blessings and forgiveness, but do we see what he's really saying? He says, with all your heart. All your heart. Those who seek me diligently. See, these are the key words we're taking out when we read the Scripture. So if you're going to go for God, go what? All for God. If you're going to do God's will, if you're going to be a giver, if you're going to be a sacrificer, if you're going to be a blesser, be all you can in those areas. If you do not, what will happen is, many of the times is, we will fall short because the flesh has been able to get in there to where it got some credit. And God has to take all the credit. He has to get all of it. We can't have any. So now let's look at verses starting with 39. Now we're going to go past Luke 6.38. Now we're going to look past it. Let's see what it has to say. Are you ready? That we shall not be judged or condemned. And we read that. Okay. So we go past verse, we go to verse 39. Can the blind lead the blind? Is the student above the teacher? Righteous people produce righteous living. You are what you are. If you are a Christian, a true believer, you are what you are, and it will show up. We're going to talk about that concerning uh, the trees and roots of trees. The fruit of the Spirit can only flow from a life whose tree and roots are of the same Spirit of God. It's not just the tree that produces the fruit. It is the roots. And let me take it even a step further. Now, this is going to throw some of you, so I need to be careful how I word this. When you put a seed in the ground, it's not the seed that produces the... Uh, you got to hear what I'm saying. I'm going to tell you something. When you put that seed in the ground, it is not per se the seed that produces the tree. It's the, the seed activates the dirt. Jesus told us in Genesis, God told us that he made animals out of the dirt. He did not plant a sperm or a seed or some type of seed in the ground and up came man. He created Adam from the dirt. The dirt held the ingredients for life. And he brought everything out of the dirt. And as I've said before, if someone says your plant is dirt, that's a compliment. Take it as a compliment. I have a saying, and I've probably said this before, but the only way that Satan can create anything is to first borrow dirt from God. Everything is in the dirt. Everything comes out of the dirt. So, fake fruit, let's talk about fruit for a minute. Fake fruit is only pleasant to the eye, Right? You look at a piece of fake fruit, and you go, oh, that looked real. And it's fake. And it's pleasant to the eye. And that's as far as it goes, though. 
So uh, since fake fruit produces only fruit that's pleasant to the eye, bad fruit rots from the inside out. So now we're going to talk a little bit about the fruits, fruit of the Spirit. We're going to talk about fruit a little bit because this is what happens when we come close to God. God changes us. He saves us. He sanctifies us. He fills us with the Holy Spirit. He news us with gifts, and we are to produce the fruit. Fruit comes from having the Holy Spirit. You can't fake fruit. You can't fake the real thing. You cannot go into a factory and make an apple. You can make a fake apple. You cannot make real apples. That is, on the th that is God's territory. No man to this day has ever been able to create a seed. To this day. They do not know how to make a seed. When I was little, I always wondered, how did that seed know which way was up? That was this little boy. How did it know which way was up? Why didn't it just grow deeper into the ground? It knew where up was. It knew where the sun was. And it's drawn to the light. So bad fruit rots from the inside out. Let's look at Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20 from the New King James Version. Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Quote, you will know them by their fruits. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. And then it repeats it again. So this must be pretty significant. Folks, people are going to know, you know, you can fake. You know the, you know the people you can fake? You ready for this? The people you can fake are those that are fake. You can't fake the real thing. You cannot pull a, you cannot pull a Volkswagen bug beetle up to a dealer and tell him it's a Cadillac. You can't do it. What's that? <laughs> you wished. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> but you can't, you can only fake people that are fake. You can't fake the real thing. <clears throat> so in Matthew 7, 15 through 20, it makes it very clear that there are fruits, you will know them by their fruits. Understanding it's saying, you will know them by their fruits, number one, to know or to see the fruit in others as an honest observation of the right or wrong. Now, we, we get judged by people say, well, that's not right. Oh, who made you God? Who, who told you you could judge that? God did. God tells me, what does God not lay out what's right and wrong? He lays it out for us. So if you see wrong, you better be able to discern that. That's not judging. Judging is when you stand over someone and talk down to them like you're better than them, and I'm going to straighten you out. With that log in my eye, I'm going to do it. That's what judging is. No, when you see someone that's not living right, the Bible says, flee from the appearance of evil. Now, if I don't know what evil looks like, how do I flee? That's wisdom. That's not judging. You know to stay away from that because it's poisonous, and it will harm you. Okay? Matthew 10, 16. 
When Jesus sent his disciples out, he told them that he was sending them out as sheep in the midst of wolves. He told them to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. This is not judging as from the flesh. Jesus is telling them that you're going to run into wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, if he's going to tell them that, then he's also telling them you can judge that and tell when they're out where they're at. Why would he bother to tell them that I'm going to send you about, out among wolves in sheep's clothing if you were not able to discern that when you saw it? That's not judging. That's discernment. That's wisdom. That's revelation. That's understanding the Word of God. Number two, this Scripture shows us that there is good fruit and bad fruit. Matthew 7, 17 from the New King James Version. Bearing this out, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And we're going to bear this out even more. Verse 18, clearly showing us that you cannot bear bad, bad, both good and bad fruit. This is really significant. He's telling you that you are of me or you aren't. Now, you may fail. Please understand what I'm saying here so you don't get feel bad. You may fail. You may fall on your face. You may make a huge mistake. But if you pick yourself up, dust yourself off, repent, and come back to God, He will take you from there and start again with you. There's great hope. But what He's trying to tell us is, if you're producing bad fruit, I'm not talking about I missed it. I'm talking about sin is something that's repeated. Okay? You can sin once, doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. You want to be clear with God so He can continue to use you. But if you continue to repeat your sin, then that has become a part of who you are. And therefore, you are practicing sin. That person, understand where I'm coming from here, that person that practices sin cannot be whole for God. There's going to be things that's going to hinder their walk and pull them down the guilt and everything that comes with it, the shame and everything that comes with it. But as we've said before, one of the great signs of a Christian, if you want to know if you're a Christian or not, does it bother you when you sin? Do you have conviction when you sin? What gives you conviction, L.A.? Who gives you conviction? Holy Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's one's going to give you conviction. So if you're being convicted... Say, thank you, Jesus. It's good, oh, folks, it's good. If you're going to miss it, if you're convicted, you be encouraged. That means there's hope. But when you stop, and this is what concerns me when I see a lot of our young people, they'll be raised in the church, and they'll go right out and, and, and live with a man, or the guy live with a girl. And you think, they're not even convicted about it. They talk about it. There's no conviction at all. It's because they were never trained. They were never brought up in the Word. They were never taught, discipled to get the Word in their heart. They knew it because they carried a Bible around, and that was about as far as it went. There was no practicing it. So when they walked away from their Christian environment, they became just like the world. Most people that hook themselves up as a Christian with a non-believer will fall. More times than not. 
Because we're born to this world, we are this flesh, we are born in sin, we have a sin nature, and if you get with someone that would get, I know someone that I believe got into the homosexual lifestyle because he moved into an environment where they did that quite a bit, and it really turned, set him free to be that way. If you are an, an occasional gossiper, it's because you run around with occasional gossipers. Bible says flee from that. I don't care how much you struggle. If you will do what God tells you to do, He will put you with the right people. He will raise them for you. God will find some way to hook you up with the right people if you are seeking Him. He will do it. I guarantee you. If you're hot after God and you're the only one on campus that loves Jesus, I promise you God will find someone to cross your path to encourage you and help you, and lift you, and feed you, and nourish you. God will not leave you alone. If he's going to tell the disciples to go out in twos because of the wolves out there, do you think he's going to leave you alone? No. Read the Word. Find out what it's saying. That's so good. She said, if we know what, the Bible says, if we know what's right in sin and, and, and do it, it's sin. If you know what's right, folks, the Bible says you're accountable for what you know. There is an age of accountability for children. And once they reach that age, and I'm not going to tell you what age that is, I think it's depending on the child, some younger, some older. But once you reach that age, you are now accountable. As I've mentioned, you cannot, in America, in most cases, argue that I never heard about Jesus or I never had an opportunity. There's hardly anybody out there that in America that will stand before God and have that as an excuse. We are inundated with the gospel, not necessarily the revelation, not necessarily the anointing. See, that's why people don't want to go to church, because it's just business. But when you go into a church where there's an anointing, like we had Sunday morning during worship, when you go into a church where God is allowed to lead, now this person's in a different place. All the difference in the world, Connie, makes all the difference in the world. Because when you get around the anointing, you just want to sit back and see what God's going to do next. Because when he's in charge, he does all things well. All things well. Verse 18 clearly shows us that you cannot bear both good and bad fruit, as I mentioned. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a bad tree can uh, bear good fruit. Bad fruit leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Good fruit satisfies the soul and is comfort to your spirit. Good fruit has nourishment in it. Vitamins and minerals and all these wonderful things. Bad fruit is already depleted before you take a bite. The difference between good fruit and bad fruit is the taste. Have you walked away with a good taste in your mouth about someone, another person, a bad taste in your mouth? Yeah. Especially if you're sensitive to the Holy Spirit at all, if you're seeking God. There's just something that registers with you, this is not good. 
There's something here not good that I need to be careful. God is trying to prompt you. Be careful. Move slow. One great man of God said, God tries to slow us down, slow us down, slow us down, slow us down. And when he does that, he slows you down again. And it's not that God doesn't want to take you someplace quickly. He just knows the pace we were able to go. He can't overwhelm us when we're not ready to handle it. You put new wine in old wineskins, it's going to bust. But oh, if you are renewed in your walk with God, then now he can put new wine in your skins. Because you can hold it. It doesn't go to waste. Psalm 34, 8, from the New King James Version. Old taste and see that the Lord is good. I had to throw that one in there. Bad fruit not only leaves a bad taste in your mouth, it is also hard to swallow. Have you ever heard someone say something to you and you're going, mm, I don't know about that. What, what's happening? Is that you're getting checked. So you're getting checked. Even in the natural man, there's a vacuum just that only God can feel, and that's the only thing that will draw you in. And your body, even your natural body, how else do you get saved unless man is drawn? The Bible says you can't come to him unless he draws you. Well, how are you going to be drawn if you're lost? Because there's something in you that knows that he's your God. You are born in his image, created in his image with a story written in a book just about you. And so when you come face to God, there's something in you that goes, I should know him. I sh Boy, you look so familiar. It's that natural man that feels the draw of the Holy Spirit that draws us in and gets us saved. Then at that point, he wants to come inside and operate from the inside out. That's what he wants to do. Many love to use this scripture so that they can say that they are fruit inspectors. Have you heard that one? Oh, yeah. I'm, well, I can judge that because I'm a fruit inspector. And it's a, it's a haughty attitude. You do not want to judge. You should not want to judge. It should bother you when you judge. You should be convicted when you judge people. <laughs> there you go. The Holy Spirit becomes a fruit detector. And where's that Holy Spirit? L.A., in here. And what's he, he's speaking to your heart. And if your mind is not diluted, if you have not taken every thought captive and it dilutes and it gets down to the heart, now your heart can't discern anymore. The Holy Spirit's trying to get your attention, trying to spare you, trying to keep you from certain dangers and heartaches and stuff. He can't get through because you have just so convinced yourself that you don't need him anymore. Some people get saved just to get to heaven. Well, that's not a bad reason to get saved. It's just that God wants so much for you right here. As Pastor Wright once said, even if, you're on, if you don't believe in God, living a good moral life is to your benefit. Have you seen what methane, meth does to people's bodies? They'll show before and after pictures of people before they're on meth and after so long being on. They don't look like that. They look 80 years old. Their teeth are rotted. Folks, that's Satan's ID. I come to steal, kill, and destroy in John 10.10. 10. He wants to destroy you. He has nothing for you. Oh, he'll, hang, he'll, he'll wave a piece of candy in front of you, which always tastes good. Hey, folks, I'm going to give you a revelation. Sin's fun for a season. 
Yeah, but it catches up with you. And before you know it, it turns on you and destroys you. And Satan throws you away. As one man of God says, he'll eat your lunch and pop the bag. So we like to call ourselves fruit inspectors. But let me tell you one thing real quick. You, as a man or woman of God, you do not even want to judge. Now, now to see things as they are, to acknowledge things and discern things, absolutely, that's part of wisdom. But if you enjoy judging, or you can't wait to tell someone what someone else did, because you're going to pray for them, so it's all right, right? When you do that, you need to get a hold of yourself and get on your face before your God and plead for mercy because your judging others will come right back on you. We all know that. No revelation there. If you're going to judge someone else's fruit, then we need to qualify ourselves by judging righteously in order to judge righteously. We must be righteous ourselves first. If you want to judge something, judge it righteously. If you want to judge it righteously, be righteous. That'll take care of the problem right there. Because, oh, if I'm righteous, I can judge? Awesome. So you get righteous and you go, oh, by God, help me, not them. See how it changes? See, a righteous person sees themselves first. God, help me. God, help me. Lord, help me. That's when God can use you to guide other people away from disasters because a righteous man also sees righteously, not just judges righteously. They see righteously. Isn't he awesome? Isn't he wonderful? Folks, we're all going to have to get here. <clears throat> You've got to get to the place, I've said this over and over again, to where no matter whether you understand anything or not, I'm all after God. God, I don't understand this, but you're going to explain it one day. You're going to let me know one day some things. But right now, I don't understand the thing I'm going through. I don't understand what they're going through. I don't, Jesus, where are you, Jesus? No. You say, Jesus, I don't understand the thing right now. But I want it to be, and I've said this last week, let it be, and I've done this, folks. I've been in places where I don't see any hope at all. And I say, Jesus, I want it written down somewhere that today I praised you. Somewhere I want it written down in heaven, Father, that on that day I praised you. Now you're on your way. Now you're on the way to living a full life in him. Do you know what a full life feels like? I don't know what's going to happen, but I know he's faithful. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow in that situation. All I know is he's faithful. See, that's a righteous life. That's a, that's a full life because you know what comes with it? Joy, peace, and rest. And you can't sell the bottles enough on the market to get that. Anybody that offers you a bottle will give you peace, rest, and joy, man, it goes off the shelves. Because that's the only hope they have is what man creates. Man can't create a seed. He cannot create joy, hope, peace, or rest. Man cannot produce that. Oh, they may tell you, come over here and you'll have wonderful joy. Do this over here, buy this over here, and you'll have such rest and peace. No, they can't do it. All they can do is offer you a little sampling for a moment, and then you, then you pay the price. We pay the price for that. 
Luke 6, 34, 30, uh, I'm going to read one more here. Luke 6, verses 34 and 35 from the New King James Version. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does it bear fruit, nor does it bear a bad, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men go not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man out of the good, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good fruit, and an evil man out of evil treasures of his heart bring forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. Now, abundance can be good or bad. You can speak abundantly. So let's think about just for a moment as we close here what this is talking about. A bad tree can't bear both good and bad fruit. A bad tree can't bear good fruit, only bad fruit. So when you get around someone that is producing bad fruit, look at the roots. How many times have we seen people that are going through things and we say, to, say we look at them and go, how did they get there? Why do they stay there? Decision-making is quite often the reason we make bad choices. We see the bad fruit, and we've had damage from the bad fruit, but we continue to pick the fruit from the same tree. Have you met people like this? It's like you want to help them, but they, do, they make one wrong choice, and right after that disaster, they make another wrong choice. See, it all goes back to the character of the person and who they are inside. See, we have a fallen nature at birth, right? So when God gets a hold of us, He changes that as He's able in us, as we allow Him, He changes us to where we become more and more like Him all the time. If you have not changed in the last year, get alone with God. Talk to Him about it because God wants you further down the road. I stopped yesterday on my run to Run, my run yesterday, I was running out of daylight. I was running, and I, I, my phone I was acting up, and so I stopped to fix it. When I got done, you know what my first thought was? I would have been down there right now if I hadn't stopped to fix my phone. But what people do is they stay under the same tree. They eat the same fruit over and over again, and we wonder why their life doesn't get better. It, they're not cursed by nature in the sense that everything bad just hits them. You've met people like I have, like, well, this happened to them, then that happened to them, then that happened to them. Folks, there's a root to that tree somewhere. And I'm not saying every time it's their decision, but they're in a position where, well, let me give you one more example before I close. There's a comedian that made this comment about how they feed people in the Sudan and all the war that goes there, and it's nothing but dry deserts. And here's the comment he made. Instead of taking food to them, why don't they take them out of there and take them to the food? Does that make sense? We keep shipping food over there where they can't grow it and there's war going on. Use the same money to get them out of there and get them where there is food. That's what we're doing as Christians. That is our job. Our job isn't to go in and patch up people's lives so they can survive. No, we're, our, our goal is to show them a better way, to show them a way that leads to life. Get out of there. Get out of the slums. Get out, if, if you're a prostitute, get away from prostitution. Take them out of there. 
they go back to the environment they were in, drug speaking, and they end up back into drugs again because, like this person I mentioned about homosexuality, he had a battle with that, but he moved to an area where it was very prevalent. What do you think happened? What do you think is going to happen? If you don't change something, why do you expect the same results? When you meet someone, be there for them and help them, but at the same time, pray to get them out of that environment. And what's one way to do it? Get them into a church where God is able to work, a refuge, a sanctuary where they can find hope. So we'll stop right there on God is looking for people that are looking for Him. Are we looking for Him today? Are we really looking for Him? Are we seeking Him? Are we just going through the same motions every day and wondering where God is today too? God, God is right there, folks. Whoever you are, listening in the classroom, God is right there for you right now. But you've got to take that step. You've all heard me tell the story about the husband and wife that were driving, and, and after a while she ended up at the door, passenger door. And she said, you know what, we're not as close as we used to be. He said, well, honey, he said, I haven't moved. See, God doesn't move. He's right there for you. He wants the best for you. If you leave the choice to him, but you gotta, you got to know him. you got to spend time with him. you got to get to where he's at. Go where God is because that's where you're called. You're not giving up a thing when you go to God. He's got all for you. Father, we bless you. I pray that somehow something was said this morning that would encourage someone, that would help someone to know that, hey, I have hope. I get convicted when I sin. I have hope. And if I'm not convicted, I am now convicted. Hallelujah. I am now convicted. And I want to grab a hold of that conviction and let it take me to the feet of Jesus where there is all hope and all joy and all rest in Him because that is where I was created to be. When you get to where you're created to be, there's nothing like home. And that's what it's going to feel like. So we Father, we bless you. And speak over each one listening that they may find hope in Jesus, that they do not give give up. Try him again. Try God again. But this time, you move towards him instead of asking him to come to you. Father, we bless you. We praise you. And we worship you. In the name of Jesus, amen. So we'll see you next week, 10 o'clock a.m. next Sunday on part three on God is looking for a people that are looking for him. We'll pick up right there on 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22. Thank you. Please hit like and share if you don't mind. Let people know that you are uh, listening and they can hear it as well. Maybe you can help people right there. Thank you.